a listener, it's not. I I, I don't want to listen to only Doom or only Sludge. Yeah, same here. I would. And I, I will say it's still like my favorite music, probably. Like within the past year, the record I've listened to most for sure is the new I Hate God record. Um, and yeah, it's, it's still good. like the music. Yeah, it's fucking great. It's still the music that resonates most with, most with me and what I want to play. But at the same time, yeah, it's great to have that counterbalance of like, you know, just whatever pop songs like I was saying or hip hop or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I've had plenty of doom musicians on who it's like, I don't want to listen to this shit all the time. Put on some yeah. fucking else. Yeah, it's like Fenris from uh, Dark Throne. That's one of the things yeah. I really appreciate about him. He's like the, one of the most... You know, like he he is a he is a forefather of black metal. He's like about as true as it gets, in essence. But he he says all the time, like I don't want to listen to this shit all the time. Like if I only listen to black metal, he said he would just get super depressed. So he listens to a lot of like I think electro pop and EDM and shit like that. <laughs> well, I mean that stuff is like I mean I know it's big here, but. Like yeah. every every action movie I saw in the early two thousands that was set in Europe inevitably had like a fucking electro like for sure. you know rave scene like it's because yeah. that shit was like longer. So I know that stuff is like gargantuan in Europe. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I will say it was like an interesting study of just you know kind of reminding myself that of just like what, how that music can affect you. Because I, I think after listening to like harsh music for so long too, it is easy to become not numb, but you just become, I don't know, just more used to harsh sounds. And so I think sometimes it's easy to forget that a lot of times this music is designed to just kind of fuck with you. You know, it's not just supposed to be, the artistic experience is not like, it's not supposed to just elicit happiness. It's supposed to elicit all kinds of different stuff. So listening yeah. to it, it was like the doom metal version of uh, Super Size Me, where he only eats McDonald's for like the full month, and it just like kind of fucks them all up. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, and I guess is because you were you brought up I Hate God. Like I felt like that section was like the longest portion of the book. Yeah, uh, and like and like you know kind of humorously. But also like kind of accurate, but also accurately describes them as as an edgelord band, which I thought yeah. was. I think it's like true because like I, I'm more used to like calling like a black metal band like an edgelord band or like you know sure. more like the fan base or whatever. But like why why the focus on them so much? You know, like I'm not. I'm just curious. You know, it, was, sure. it surprised me that there was like one of the longer chapters. I mean, it was longer yeah. than like the chapter on you know, sleep and the sections where, you know, like you covered like death doom, but it was like five bands or whatever in the section. So I thought it was really interesting. They got like a very long focus. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple of different reasons. I think, I think that from the musical perspective of, you know, really there, there was like people were hinting at sludge before then and Melvin's had like gluey porch treatments and there was stuff like that in the air, but when I Hate God came out as very much to me as like a, just another Black Sabbath or neurosis moment where it just hit people and it was just like, here's this new thing that you haven't heard before that it's just absolutely devastating. Um, so I think it was interesting in that sense. And, you know, a lot of the book, 
it, it, it's, I think one of the ways that I really tried to approach it and that made sense to me to write it was to like underscore subjectivity rather than like try and create this like objective, all knowing perspective of like, here is the most important doom metal bands. And this is exactly how the genre is shaped. And I guess there is some element of that, but I mean, to me, there's always just a lot more subjectivity in music journalism than I think some people realize, or it's easy to like forget about that element. So to me, it just makes more sense to underscore that. And so, yeah, I hate God falls into that. I think there was just a hugely impactful band for me. You know, we're talking about like that kind of welcoming arms thing of like, hey, you should, this is the music you should play. I think I felt that most profoundly than any other band in my entire life with I Hate God. The first time I heard Blank in a BMX video, it comes on like, there's that first huge note of Blank and when it hits in the video, it's this dude like trying to do this huge rail and he just smashes his face into the concrete when the huge note hits. And so it's just like all these things that I, you know, like and gravitate toward just huge, you know, like writ large essentially. And so, yeah, when I discovered it, it was just like such a huge moment for me as a musician of like, oh, okay, this is, this is where you should go. This is the music you're going to play. This is who you are in a lot of ways. And I think, I Hate God also hit me because there's this, you know, there's this very rural sensibility to me in their music. I can hear like that kind of, it, it's just that kind of gummo thing of like the, just the, the underbelly of rural life and kind of like people that you might encounter in those towns that aren't easy to look at, but it holds a magnifying glass to it. Having said all that and like, if that was my introduction into I Hate God, then the ongoing relationship is discovering those kind of edgelord aspects of like, you know, the white N-word song. Yeah. I remember like when I first, Southern Discomfort was the first record that I had from them. So I didn't even know about that song until like years after I really had been listening to the band. And then I saw that and it's just like, just such a fucking bummer in, in so many ways. And I'm a white person, you know? It's just like, a, and I know they, they say it's a joke and all that stuff, but it's obviously like, you know, way more damaging than it could ever be humorous. And same thing with like the Confederate flag stuff. And there's a lot about that, about I Hate God that reminds me of just my hometown of seeing, like before the Trump era, I grew up seeing Confederate flags all over the place and shit like that. And um, you know, this is in rural Wyoming. It's pretty weird. It's just like, why the fuck are you, why do you guys have this thing? <laughs> why are you flying this flag? Yeah, Wyoming didn't even exist at that point. In history. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of elements of my hometown that, you know, do remind me of that kind of, yeah, that ugly aspect of Southern life in some ways. And so, yeah, I Hate God, the I Hate God chapter was their impact musically, I think really made me want to delve into it. It, it really, I, I also debated on like putting them, it, there was a lot of hard questions with the book of like, how do you write this history when there has been like some really ugly stuff and, you know, not try to be like an apologist about it either because right. yeah. So like recognize the impact, recognize the harm and like, how do you find the balance? And it's, it's just difficult. And so I think I hate God embodied all those things. And 
Um, they also just have such a gnarly fucking story of just like, God, that band has just been beat to shit in so many ways, you know? Just like, I think one, as far as like experience wise, probably the gnarliest band that I know of, of like just everyone being on heroin at various points and just like slogging it out on the road and playing horrible shows where people fucking hated it and, you know, moving on into later years when the singer's liver just completely dies on him and then the drummer dies and just all this stuff that like would just break 99% of bands and they just keep fucking going. So I thought they, it was, yeah, I mean, was they never they've never broken up. They've never got yeah. hiatus. They've always yeah. just said Mike's dealing with addiction. We'll yeah. see you in a couple of years. And exactly. then you know they were just gonna do something else and then they would get back together. Like yeah. You know they 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 seem to like I don't know, I guess got their shit together in the sense of like, oh, we're getting older and like we could just like straight up die, you know? Yeah. Like maybe we're, and maybe they're, and and hopefully they are a bit more conscious of like the shitty, edgy things they did back in the day. They, I think they, they are for sure. Jimmy, Jimmy Bauer stopped playing the uh, Confederate flag guitar. I think he donated it to somewhere. And if you look on Spotify, the, um, this yeah, is like a the white neighbor. Yeah, they changed the name, the white N-word, to white neighbor, which is how they had been announcing the song live for a long time. But yeah, they've changed, you know, like trying to just go back and, and change those elements. Um, you know, especially like kind of post-George Floyd and the pandemic when it was just like a, a period when I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people just, if you couldn't, if you had been able to ignore systematic racism and police brutality and just the million horrible things that happen to people of color in our country before the pandemic, I think it became very difficult during it seems like. And so it's, yeah, pushed bands like I hate God to like backtrack and maybe realize that some of that shit just isn't funny. And I mean, I think they really realized that a long time ago, you know, and they've talked in interviews for years about like, that not necessarily being like the song title that they're proud of, but at the same time, they're like, you know, we put this out, so they're gonna kind of own up to it and not try to really dodge it. But yeah, again, going back to your original question of like, why why I hate God, I, I think they just embody that spirit of, of doom, of just, just keeping on going for no other reason than like, you feel like you have to do this music or it's something that you have to do, or it's just the music that you love and they just they just do it they just again have just been beat to shit and they're still doing it like we said and then came out this year with it's the first record they ever did with without Joey Lacaz on drums mm. and it's fucking great it sounds awesome it does I, I i liked it i know some people were like criticizing it for sounding like too good and i was like oh whatever like they can't get good production i don't know well, I, I mean, if like, you want, yeah, I mean, listen to Dope Sick if you want the if you want the gritty production, just listen to Dope Sick. Go yeah, for it. I and mean, then, their self-titled is like pretty fucking. It's super produced, like it's super clean compared to that definitely. shit. And I love their, yeah. I love their self-titled album. Yeah, super. Yeah, me too. And a lot of people didn't like that for a similar reason. It's a little bit cleaner, and but yeah, sorry, I keep going back to this question, but there's one more element of like the why I hate God. And then the final piece is that uh, 
the very original kind of like seed of an idea for the book was um, I must have been in like 2015. I wanted to write a 33 and a third <clears throat> edition about I hate God dope sick. Mm -hmm. And so I put together the 33 and a third. They accept open submissions and open proposals proposals for those books. But like the proposal is so in depth. So you end up submitting like this just huge, like 30 page single spaced document of like a sample chapter and like outline table of contents and marketing strategy and just all this on and on and on. Cause I mean, they basically want to make sense that if they choose your proposal, it actually could be a book that would be written. And so, um, they didn't, obviously didn't pick it up as a 33 and a third. And so I just had all the, I had started, you know, started writing about that band. And so I think in, in a roundabout way, I was trying to like figure out how I could, what was the book I wanted to write that was not just about that specific album. And I thought maybe it would be an, I hate God biography. And I realized that wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do. And I thought maybe, yeah, like a, a another band's biography might be the way to do it. But then, yeah, I realized what I really wanted to do was trace the overall history of the music. So yeah, the, I mean, the very earliest, like I said, was the very earliest version of this book in that I hate God chapter was uh, for that 33 and a thir uh, third uh, proposal for uh, to write about dope sick. Uh, well, that's cool. I did not know that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've really talked about it that much. And I've, I've heard it happen with other people. My friend, Jason Heller, he wrote this book called uh, strange stars and it's about David Bowie and sci-fi in essence. And, um, he had, he had that book came from like a very similar thing. He tried to put together one of those 33 and a third proposals. It was by the time you do it, it's so much work. You don't want to just like leave all that work by the wayside. So you want to kind of do something with it. And so he ended up writing strange stars out of a rejected 33 and a third proposal. And, and I should say, I think at the end of the day, I'm as, as rad as it would have been to write that 33 and a third, ultimately like, I'm happier with this project. I was I was wondering why that sounded so familiar, and I remembered that um, John Durnell from the Mountain Goats wrote the one yeah. on Master of Reality. That's yeah, well, like, that, that was so familiar. familiar. Yeah, I discovered. I don't know. If, did you read that one? I did it. I probably should. Oh, it's fucking great. It's it's totally different from the other ones because it's it's fictional. So basically, oh, interesting. Conceit, yeah, the conceit of that book is. Um, there's this Hessian kid, I think from the East Coast, and he is kind of, you know, disaffected. And his stepdad, from, I might be fucking this up a little bit, but from what I remember, his stepdad is like trying to figure out how to, you know, like turn him into like more of a quote unquote uh, normal person. And so him and his mom end up sending this kid to a mental facility to try and like get right. And so it ends up being like kind of a horrible experience. And so the, the book is this kid, this Hessian kid in, the metal, in a mental facility, um, writing to the head nurse about why she should give him his Black Sabbath records back because <laughs> they have all their personal belongings taken away. And so, yeah, it was just like, a, I remember when I discovered that book, and still to this day, that's some of my favorite, if not my favorite music writing. 
I'm going like, to definitely have to read that. Yeah, what a genius way after just what Black Sabbath is and the voice of the kid is very genuine. And so he's like, yeah, he's writing to this head nurse, like describing um, massive reality and like, remember him saying like the guitarists sound like an underwater volcano erupting. And it's like, that's exactly what it feels like to listen to that record. I thought it was fucking genius. I mean, I have, I have to admit, I haven't spent enough, probably enough time with the Mountain Goats. Um, like, I, they're a very good band, and John Darnell's a very good writer. Um, but I yeah. did really like his book, Wolf in the White Van. I thought that was Fuck a yeah. very, very fucking creepy, unique yeah. bit of literature. Um, like, I had not read anything like that before. I thought that was a great book. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Same here. I, and, 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 like, you know, not to tangent too much, like, really kind of reminded me of like why I really I'm not like a giant fantasy lit guy in the sense of like I haven't read like you know like I've read Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit but I haven't read like a lot of like you know the other classics of the genre but sure. like I fucking love Skyrim and <laughs> but I I love how there really are there's such like a horror aspect to fantasy especially when you get into sort of like the weird, you know, mythology of like the gods and like the weird creatures that exist within it. And that, that, you know, and how like Dungeons and Dragons, like, yeah, it's a fun game to play, but like a lot of the lore really is like pretty fucking like creepy at the end yeah. of the day. And I, I felt that it just like captured that creepy, spooky uh, atmosphere like so well. So, yeah. Yeah. Probably yeah, recommend to you out there. Yeah. Come, and I'm not, I haven't listened to much. Mountain Goats. I mean, I'll be honest and say that I, I've given Mountain Goats a shot and I I should probably give it another try. It didn't really grab me that much, but his writing just like really, he's, pretty, he's one of my favorite writers for sure. So that Sabbath, 33 and a third, and then yeah, like you said, Wolf in a White Van is just, just like what a fucking genius novel. And he, he's so, he's very genuine about capturing that world. There's nothing sarcastic about like here's this kid who was like heavily involved in a in creating this role playing game. There's no, this is very human and values that that thing. And like you said, it it captures that kind of underlying dark reality. He's a Darnell is a cool person. He wrote for uh, Decibel for a long time, and so he, he has all these interesting ties to metal. And yeah, it was cool seeing that fantasy aspect pop up in in Doom to Fail of like. Sirithungal, you know, it literally the name comes from Lord of the Rings. And there's a lot of those, you know, a lot of bands that just have that kind of fantastic element. I think Candlemass would be another one. And it's not it easy easy to write off like fantasy as being cheesy, but really at the end of the day, it's like battles between kind of good and evil is how I look I, at yeah. it in like a broad sense. I feel like I've grown to appreciate like fantasy writing and even other like forms of literature via music, via yeah. other, like via basically musicians sort of like adapting it or like being influenced by it. Like, I, okay. I, you know, there, and you have to be able to paint that image in a very specific way because yeah. you know you only have so much room for lyrics to the point where it's like, well, you can't be like writing a novel, so that's why yeah. it all does fall under like that kind of that weird poetic sort of prose and it just it creates that world super well for so, sure yeah and like also yeah Sarah Uncle's fucking awesome I really like yeah that. yeah and it really does sound like 
I think the band that sound is very true to those books. I mean, I'm like, I haven't read a ton of fantasy, but I did read like Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit in high school and fucking loved it. Like, you know, my friends would like make fun of me and <laughs> for being a nerd when they were out, like riding BMX. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go home and finish this Lord of the Rings book. But yeah, it sounds a lot like those novels and those novels are epic in scope and super violent. And I think Sirith Ungle is very true to that in a lot of ways. I agree. So I just have a few more questions. Sure. Uh, is there is there a band that you talked about in the book that has split that you would like to see reform just for like one more time? Oh man, good question. Yeah, there's a few. I think it would be really rad to see um, St. Vitus with Wino. I don't know if they would ever do that. I don't know about their like feelings toward each other, like how into that idea they would be. That would be fucking cool. And then, I mean, probably the most predictable answer would be Sabbath. I would love to see them with, I mean, they're done now though. They already did their final tour, but I would love to see them do that with Bill Ward. I, I mean, I was one of the people who was just like, I, I'm such a purist with them and just being a drummer myself, I think mm -hmm. I just really can hear like how impactful Bill Ward is as a drummer of just being, he, he is just like kind of slightly, he plays just like behind the beat just a little bit to where it makes everything feel that much bigger. And it's not really like something that you can like learn to do as a musician. It's like such a small fraction amount of time or like of a second that you're talking about. Um, yeah, it's not really, I think it's super hard to be able to learn to like do that. I think it's just like naturally musicians are like, there's behind the beat players, there's like front of the beat players and all that stuff. And anyway, I'd really love to see Sabbath with Bill Ward because to me there is no Black Sabbath without Bill Ward. I was, I, I, I still like wonder should I have gone to those final shows or the, I can't remember what they called it. I um, did, yeah, I saw them twice. The end, yeah. And it just, it just bummed me out so much that I know there was like a lot of strife with them and i think the last thing that i remember reading was that um i think iomi was maybe willing to do it with ward but his stipulation was that they take up they take a back they would take a backup drummer on tour with him mm -hmm. bill ward was just like fuck that you know it's just like insulting to him so yeah i'd love to see sabbath with bill ward i think that would be great and i i i am lucky enough to have seen it when I was 18 on, on Ozfest. So maybe I shouldn't be that greedy to like have to see it again. Um, but I feel like I've been pretty fortunate in that I've really seen a lot of those. No, actually Candlemas would be another one. Yeah, I haven't seen them yet either. Yeah, Can Candlemas with uh, uh, Messiah would be yeah. fucking sick. With his flowing robes. Yeah, that would be great. I would have said ISIS if I, I didn't see them, but I was lucky enough to see them. And Neurosis is just still somehow doing it um, with the original members, which is just, you know, just such an impressive feat to be with like the same group of people in that way for so long. And then I, I did see I Hate God with Joey Lacaz. And so I've been lucky to have seen a lot of the really impactful shit for sure.
Yeah, I think uh, I think the one I would want to see reform probably be Thurgathon. Like just just to be okay, able yeah. to see that. Yeah. Like, and I don't know yeah. even like I don't know where any of those people are now, but just yeah. to see that reform live, I think would be so cool. Yeah, that would be an amazing one. Yeah, that would be fucking cool. Thurgathon for sure. So that or um, I don't know. Probably I guess like. Carp would be pretty cool, but I guess well, is is Floor still active? Like kind of. Yeah. Uh. Well, Floor is like a. It's kind of a weird story with Floor. So, um, and and the drummer hadn't been public about this until like, some point during the pandemic. I'm not sure if they ever will be active again, as a mm-hmm. short answer. But um, Henry Wilson, the drummer. And I don't touch on this in the book, but he uh, has been dealing with this mercury poisoning for like years oh. and years. And so he got he got mercury poisoning from amalgam fillings. Uh, and it took a, just like, I can't remember the amount of years it took for a doctor to like figure out that's what was going on. But he was having like this really intense vertigo and just being sick all the time and physically weak and all this stuff. And... They didn't know what the fuck was going on. And so I think that really derailed Floor after they came out without that last album. And so, yeah, that would be fucking amazing to see Henry's triumphant return. And, you know, kind of, again, circling back to, like, one of the things I always love about this music is that your heroes are approachable in a lot of ways. Henry is somebody that I met during the writing of of this book or I, I started talking to and, um, you know, I, I felt like he was always somebody who I should know or that I would get along with. He was super into BMX and sounded like we had like a really, a pretty similar background in a lot of ways. And, um, so yeah, I got to know him through the writing of this book and it was just such a treat. He's cause he's such a fucking rad person, but yeah, to see his triumphant return with floor would be, fucking epic because I, I did see them once and it was uh one of my favorite shows for sure that's awesome do you, do you have a favorite section that you worked on I, I mean i'm proud of the whole thing but i think the melvin's and harvey milk chapters were probably yeah the, the harvey milk part i remember like that felt like like harvey milk is one of the weirder bands yeah in there in terms of like you know the in terms of like how like where it goes and they're sort of like um like when i was listening to them you know i remember somebody posted was i was talking with somebody about online they're like they're not a band that you just say like oh i'm gonna listen to yeah and it's like when i was listening to it i kind of had the same reactions when i listened like melt banana for the first time yeah and i was like oh wow this is different and it requires kind of a different attention than your normal, even like, even like your crate, like weirdo doom bands. Like it just requires a different kind of attention. Yeah. Yeah. They're a challenging band in a lot of ways. And I think I discovered them at a point in my life when I was, um, you know, I grew up as a metalhead, and like I said, like love, I still love like Pantera and Slayer and, and all those bands. But then there was a period in my kind of, early twenties when I was like, I got serious about school and I was just kind of like trying to figure out 
where my, I don't know, where my talents lie as like a thinking person and stuff like that. And Harvey Milk kind of came into my life at that time. And it was just so impactful. Again, it was kind of similar to I Hate God in that the first time I listened to it, it just felt like just this bullet of truth of like something about growing up in rural America and just capturing that such an accurate and visceral way. After about Harvey Milk, I, you know, was able to interview Creston Spears. And I just think they're just such an underrated band. And I know a lot of people do know them, but I still think like, you know, they're not as big as Neurosis or Melvin's, but to me, they're every bit as profound. I think they're one of the most profound heavy bands of all time, really. And so being able to talk to Creston and just hear about his experiences and just get a new appreciation appreciation of the music, hearing his perspective of like writing the last record and kind of like where that comes from on like a lyrical level and like a character level. And yeah, that was a really enjoyable chapter and just, you know, learning experience. And again, just meeting someone who I've looked up to forever. Um, I really do think he's a musical genius in so many ways. And just him just being like such just the nicest fucking guy. People that I knew from like Wyoming, there's just no, you know, it, it is like super arty and challenging music, but he's not, he's just like the least pretentious person you could imagine. Just super down to earth and friendly. And yeah, so that was, that was super fun getting to talk to him for sure. I mean, the people you got to talk to for it was unreal you know and like you also got like a lot of good help and just do a quick shout out to uh my friend presumably your friend too sally townsend she's got she was a previous guest oh, yeah. on the podcast and she's got some really great photos oh, right. uh in the book i have one of her prints we have to put it up yet so that's sick hell yeah yeah sally uh i met her through uh cat jones we had to do the forward and the, yeah that was just another such a like blessing of doing this project of like that I could include just bring people together and expand my little circle of metalhead friends. So I got to meet Kat and Sally, just two fucking rad people. Just again, just like so into the music for the music's sake. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, two like just, you know, true blue fans who just fucking love it and will always love it and have structured their lives around, you know, um honoring that in a lot of ways yeah it's just like such a cool experience to meet people like that yeah she's her photos still blow me away i feel very lucky to uh have those in there and also fortunate that rare bird i i, I had like talked to there was one other publisher that i was thinking about going with but the deciding factor with rare bird ended up being that they would run that full color section with sally's photographs because i really wanted it to be you know, when you go to a record store and you pick up like a sun record or a sleep record, it's just like this very visual, engaging yeah. artifact. And so the I wanted to play a huge it. part of it. Yeah, be as close to that as possible. You know, when people see it in a bookstore, see the physical version, just be like, oh shit, here's this thing. You know, I just kind of stoked on it. Yeah. Um, so have you been, uh, since we're, uh, we're just we're just about done to wrap up, but uh, have you been listening to anything lately that you've been uh, besides the the new I Hate God record? The new this is not Doom, but the new Genghis Tron. Oh, it's so good. 
stood out to me. Yeah, being fucking amazing, of course. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Nick from uh, Sumac and um, what's his hardcore? I can't remember his hardcore band's name. Oh, Baptist. Yeah, um, he plays he plays drums on that Genghis Khan record, uh, which they, Genghis Khan. My bad, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't know it going into it. I was like, man, is this? I, I didn't know is also that real drumming on that record because I was used to them using a drum machine. And yeah. so my buddy told me to listen to that one. I was like, this drumming is fucking phenomenal. And I, so I thought maybe it was a drum machine because the, you know, like beat samples and all that stuff nowadays, it can sound so close to the real thing. But then come to find out that it's one of my favorite heavy drummers. I was like, oh yeah, this makes fucking perfect sense. Of course, the drummer from Sumac is doing all this crazy shit on this record so yeah that one has blown me away for sure um god i'm trying to think of and, it, and it's a not also not even like metal really but the new fucked up um year of the horse i've been going to that a lot is this like a i kind of forgot about what an interesting band fucked up is um, i haven't really given them the time of day it's pretty it's just they're just so in their own. I, I do think of them in the same realm of like Melvin's and I hate God and Harvey Milk to where like you can try and categorize it. But at the end of the day, like they've really carved out their own genre. Like they're just fucked up. The music is just them, you know? Mm -hmm. I think you say the same thing about like Neurosis and Melvin's of like, yeah, there's sludge or there's post-metal, there's these things. But at the end of the day, like Neurosis is a genre to me. And same with Melvin's, you know? Mm -hmm. and I think fucked up touches on that for sure. And then let's see, as far as I'm trying to think of like, yeah, I'm, I don't know if there's been like a recent in doom and sludge. Yeah. I guess I hate God would be it because then the other heavy album that like blew me away. Was that out, uh, I thought it was, yeah, that was good too. Yeah. I think uh, one that really, so I think I talked about it recently was uh, the new um, album from Year of No Life, which is like, you know, when you hear instrumental doom, it's like that can go a couple different ways and it could get really boring, but they're more of like the post-rock approach. So it's like super riffy, but there's a lot of other stuff going on that stays like very interesting. So I really liked that. Um, there's this good... Um, band out of australia called bog monster they're kind of like a, I think they're i guess they're like a death metal band but they definitely have like some crusty aspects i really like that yeah. but um probably what the uh, the thing i listened to most recently was um hovercraft with the k which is um, okay. a side project of paul Rydell from blood incantation and it's all just like ambient stuff and you just put on oh, a um and it's like very light synth acoustic like it's not really as you put it, music that you're supposed to be expecting something to happen. It is exactly right. like it's meditative, like lay down, smoke weed, take a nap, go for a walk, whatever. But it's pretty cool. I would say check it out. I'm not, for sure. I'm not sure when they've when their last album was released, but uh, spotlights as far as like a new uh, heavyish, yeah, a new heavyish band. Um, the again like. There's tons of cross pollination. There's shoegaze, and my buddy calls spotlights doom gaze, which I thought as like a pretty fitting. Yeah, I would say that's true. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. they like they have like that post rock post metal vibe to them for sure. Yeah, um, like very riffy, but also like not fuzzy. It's more like 
it's not fuzzy where it feels like you're kind of like rubbing your hands on like like the scratch like the scratchy part of velcro it feels like the other side yeah <laughs> yeah for sure 100 percent. yeah it's pretty soothing and um i saw them with uh quicksand who is this one of my favorite bands of oh all they're time. awesome yeah right. i would say as far as like anticipated records of the year it's it's the new sure. quicksand record yeah yeah it was yeah. i hate god and then since that's come out quicksand for sure and i was I, I've been pretty behind on following music journalism as a whole, or I've really just kind of stepped back and yeah. So I feel like I'm not up on things as I have been in the past, but yeah, spotlights really blew me away when I saw them with quicksand and they really, all those things that you talk about of just like heaviness and kind of soothing quality. It's just such a fucking amazing band. They really blew me away. And I mean, just to kind of like back up your point of like heaviness, like there is a tour coming around and it's Guar, Napalm Death, I Hate God, and I forget the other band, but like. Oh, sick. That's just oh, yeah. all kinds of crazy fucking nonsense there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I saw um, the when Melvin's did the Napalm Death with Melt Banana. Mm -hmm. I saw that one. That was a great one. I love that mixing genres to me makes a ton of sense. I don't want to see necessarily like doom band after doom band and i do listen to a lot of just all just metal that's all over the place so you love to see and it also like to me that makes a lot of sense especially like napalm death with i hate god there's a lot of similar kind of things as far as where the music comes from again napalm death from birmingham you know they're very much shaped by birmingham and there's that kind of like hardcore ethos about that band that would be great guar and then guar like it's full on different thing. I have seen Guar once. Uh, it was actually the night that uh, Dimebag Daryl got murdered. Oh, really? Saw Guar show. And they're all friends with him. And so it was like, a, you know, it's all it was like the whole like theater of the Guar show and the fans are just like completely fucking crazy and gnarly. And I, <laughs> I didn't really know what to expect going to it. But then they came out like for the last song without any costumes on. They were just in their little like briefs <laughs> that they wear under their costumes. And they had said that Dimebag got shot and everybody thought it was a joke at first because it's Guar, you know, but then like very quickly we all realized it wasn't a joke. So yeah, that was a weird Guar That experience. is strange. Yeah. That yeah. is strange. That was, that was interesting for sure. It was a... Uh, yeah, I mean, it just it goes to show you of, you know, how much he, how much that musician impacted people and just made connections with people. But then again, there's the I Hate God thing with him of, yeah, the Confederate flag guitar and all that shit. And yeah. I've also like, I've heard, you know, musicians of color, like Ethan Lee McCarthy, for example, say like, Dimebag Daryl had a huge influence on him as a musician. So, you know, there's... There's this nuance for sure. Anyway, random tangent about Guar. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, well, do you wanna do you wanna plug the new the the paperback coming out? Anything else you might be working on? Uh, sure. Yeah. So the paperback of Doom to Fail comes out um, in October. I think it's October twelfth. Hopefully, there's nothing like on the books yet, but I'd love to be able to do some reading events for it because. Yeah, the Doom to Fail, the hardcover came out 
right as right before um, lockdown happened. So um, I was really looking forward to that kind of act of being able to connect with people that we had talked about. And that's very much how it was at the book release of just meeting people and, um, you know, just making friends out of that kind of just that shared love of heavy music. And so I'd love to be able to uh, do some reading events for the paperback release. So I guess, yeah, I don't know if, if you're in a Twitter or whatever, find me on there and I'll let you know if anything like that is coming up. But yeah, paperback is coming out um, in October. Sweet. So y'all can get it. Yeah, right on. Well, thank you so much for taking a long, long bit of time out of your day to talk with me on this podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Dylan. I, uh, yeah, I think talking about that, like not being able to do like in-person events, the version that I got was people reaching out through email and just saying that they really dug the book. And so that, yeah, it's been sick to, this is a great example of just talking to somebody who loves heavy music and it's, just awesome to connect with people at such, still such a weird time, you know? So yeah, mm-hmm. thanks so much for having me on and reaching out in the first place. It's, it's fucking cool. It's the whole, it just reminds me of like, yeah, this is why you wrote the book really, you know, it is supposed to be, it's, it's supposed to bring people together at the end of the day, I think. Well, I certainly gobbled the shit out of this book and I would implore anybody who's a fan of the genre to, uh, if you can still find a copy of the hardcover to go pick one up, you know, support your local bookstores if you can, if they have it. And uh, yeah, if not, uh, you can wait until the Big Rack comes out in October. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Thank you again. And that will do it for this chapter of the diary.